Getting the smile and confidence you've been dreaming about all from the comfort of your home isn't a total mystery with Bite Clear Aligners. Just don't be surprised if all your friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Bite Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com match. Just go to Indeed.com match right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com match. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need indeed. Hey guys, Mazodcast is now on Patreon. For as little as $3 a month, you can join our Patreon page and get extra content from the guys, outtakes from the show, and any insider news that we have, we provide it there first. It doesn't cost much and your support helps the show. Join the Mazodcast Patreon and be part of the team. Here are our secrets. That's right. Slam. This bug's for you, Mizzou. They are carving up this LSU defense. They don't get no better than that, man. He's lacked up to short middle Beatty with the catch, and he's going to jet his way into the end zone. Missouri touchdown. Hand off to Roundtree running left. It's 35 to the 40. Left sideline around the man. This is the Mazodcast. Howdy, Tiger fans, and welcome to the Mazodcast. I'm your host, Brendan Anthony. Joining me, as always, is my uh, longtime brother, Colin Anthony. What's up, dum-dums? Well, Colin, it's uh, the middle of fucking July. Ready to talk sports? Yeah, sports. (laughs) Yay, sports. Well, I guess, you know, this time of year is, what do they call it, silly season? I think that was the Steve Spurrier term because... There's not a shitload going on, but uh, Drinkwitz continues to hammer away, pick up a couple four-star recruits. And speaking of recruits, I guess the thing I wanted to talk to you about, and uh, let me know your thoughts, is uh, a recent article that we kind of got into a little Twitter beef about indirectly uh, regarding recruiting more of basketball than football. Do you know what I'm talking about? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Our good friends yeah, so, at Rockin' uh, Nation, and in particular uh, – the gentleman by the name of Sam Snelling. And uh, he said, Gabe Diarman, you think you can be a sanctimonious douche? Well, me and my Parisian knotted scarf have something to say. <laughs> That's right. My beard covered in IPA juice. <laughs> yeah, I know a little something about douching. <laughs> yeah. So the crux of the article, no. though, he would uh, dispute this because it's three, th- as he said, if, they, if this is the only thing you take from it with a 3,000 word essay. Uh, but what I did take from it is it's not Conzo's fault. It is, of course, the fans' fault for Conzo and the basketball team's lack of success because a bas- head basketball coach has a lot less to do with the success of a basketball program than its fans, apparently. That's right. And, uh, yeah, he, he said, oh, that's all you take away from a 3,000-word essay. But uh, I didn't take it. I mean, he said we to extrapolate. We didn't extrapolate it. He said, I blame the fans. Now, you yeah. can sandwich that by 3,000 words of nonsense, but that's still what you said. You know, you still got to own yeah. what you said. And uh, I've always sort of had a bug up my ass about people fan shaming, blaming fans uh, for so many reasons, Colin. I mean, A, one is uh, the coaches seem to get millions of dollars to make the team better. 
The fans yeah. have, I don't know, wives and kids and school and jobs and doctor's appointments and all kinds of things that don't involve making the basketball team better. You know what I mean? Like it's, it costs hundreds of dollars to go to a team. You got to take, you know what I mean? Like if you've got a family of four and you go to a basketball game, you're, you're shelling out like $200. It's a Tuesday in the middle of February. Give me a fucking break. You know what I mean? Like yeah. if somebody doesn't want to do that, they're not an asshole. <laughs> Here's a direct quote from the article. But Mizzou's overall lack of success has almost nothing to do with Conzo Martin. He plays a small part, but in general, he's been successful given the entire data set. What data set is that? You know the data yeah. set I'm concerned with? Winning percentage. If you have to dig into the fucking numbers that deeply to, to make an argument. I mean, what this boils down to is, is I have decided that Conzo Martin's a good coach and I'm going to support him. And every year that he doesn't have success and my argument becomes less you know, merit, I, rather than admit maybe that I might have misjudged this one, I'm just going to double down and find some sort of uh, Billy Bean-style-esque saber metrics that will help me continue to prop up this. I mean, to this point, which, what is a failing argument? If you're wrong, at some point, you just got to say I'm wrong. You can't just throw a bunch of data out there and say, nope, it's the fans' fault. And he also blamed the administration. Anybody but Conzo Martin. That, that was the takeaway. The thing that we objected to the most about this article was was the, you know, like the fan blaming and also just the absolution of the head basketball coach, which does obviously is ridiculous on its face. The bulk of the article was about recruiting and saying, you know, explaining away why the recruiting is actually better than what you think it is and why the results have been better than what they actually are. And that does take a lot of language and a lot of words to say, hey, you know the thing that your eyeballs see? Well, that's actually wrong. And let me give you a bunch of numbers to tell you why. That's, that is a tough job. And it probably does take 3,000 words to even get some semblance of anything close to a rational, a rational thought about that. <laughs> but... But the problem like I have with blaming like the administration, because they said, oh, they haven't invested in basketball like they have football. But like the thing, how do you invest in basketball? I mean, obviously the facilities, but I don't think anybody would say that Mizzou's basketball facilities are in need of an update. They're good facilities. And so the other place you invest is in coaching. So I feel like he's kind of hurting his own argument. So it's like saying, well, they're not paying a better coach. So that's why they're bad. You know, it's like, but wait, aren't you saying that the coaches good but if they're going to invest you're, the only way they can invest is in a better coach so I, I feel like he's neutering his own argument by saying well the administration hasn't invested enough in its basketball program because where are you going to put that money paying the players that's what one investment kansas has made and they've been successful at it you know uh, <laughs> that's a, another topic but but like investing in coaches you're saying the coaches are just fine let's look at this from a different angle and that Sam Snelly is no doubt going to chalk it up to those Mazad cast guys are a bunch of ignorant assholes. And right. he won't be completely wrong. But <laughs> let's pose this question to somebody that you would conceivably say knows something to basketball. You know, ask Jay Billis. You know, ask, like, who is more responsible for a basketball team's success than the head coach? And see if their answer is fans and administration before he gets to yeah. coach, head coach, head fucking basketball coach. I think a couple of things. One, this article, really, it stems from Sam Snelling being butthurt about a, <laughs> about a single fan's tweet. And it's a big yeah, well, 3,000 more. 56 followers yeah, said he, something that made him sad. So he decided to go on a verbal diarrhea fit to, to <laughs> rectify that. But the thing is, he's he's speaking to a greater issue, I think, in the general local media, which is they feel like if you blame the coach, you are either you're either a fan who's reactionary or too naive or not sophisticated enough. And he views it as like his job to explain it to us troglodytes who can't be able to understand the complexities of college basketball. Recruiting is complicated, I'm told. Yeah, that's what it says. But but by the way, Sam Snelling is not professional basketball media. You know what I mean? Like if if we need Windows updated, I'll call him, you know? But like I'm sorry, like there's he's not getting any inside dope that any of us aren't eligible to get. I mean <sighs> The comfort of your favorite seat is now your comfy car selling command center, thanks to Carvana. It doesn't get any better than this. Your favorite seat's the best spot in the house. Make it even better by entering your license plate or VIN and getting a real offer in minutes. 
There really is no place like home. And speaking of home, Carvana will pick up your car from yours after you finalize your offer. Visit Carvana.com or download the app and sell your car from your comfy place. I want to tell you a story. It's a story about a scandal, broken relationships, gossip, rumors, money, corporate rivalry, and a broom. A performance-enhancing broom. My name is John Cullen. I'm a comedian, podcaster, and for 20 years, I was a semi-professional curler. And I want to tell you the story about how a single broom almost imploded the 500-year-old sport of curling. We felt like we were bringing a knife to a gunfight. It's the story of a superstar and his fall from grace. I was being dragged through the mud. It's the story of two brother entrepreneurs with a dream. (laughs) I said, that's great news. It's a story of intrigue. I still don't understand why we want to keep his name secret. The full story has never been told, so I'm going to tell it. Broomgate. How a broom almost killed curling. It was a year I'd like to forget. To listen to Broomgate, search for Broomgate in your favorite podcast app. That's all one word. Broomgate. At this point, like college basketball and football coaches shut out all the media, professional or amateur media. I mean, these press conferences, sure, you can get a press pass and go to it. But you know who else can see the press conference? Anyone with a television or a radio. (laughs) They're all televised. You know, they can all see it. And if you think you're getting some inside information from these coaches that you're uh, delusional because they ain't telling you shit. Like, that's one thing coaches know not to do, not to talk to anybody. That's a thing that they don't do. So you're not getting any extra information. And the information in that article, because I think he's, you know, his criticism was that, uh, you know, all you're taking from this is that I blame the fans partially. He never said partially, but he said that in his. Oh, Brent, would you like tweet. to hear the quote? I yeah. place blame for our mediocre hoops program on fans who don't show up. <laughs> yeah, I don't. Re- I don't remember you reading the word partially anywhere. But no, that that is a direct quote. <laughs> but here's the thing about all this is that. The second part of that article, he was basically trying to eradicate the other very valid point, which is, hey, what about the other time we've seen this, which is Barry Odom sucking at recruiting and then Eli Drinkwitz being good at recruiting. So the second 1,500 words is to tell you that thing you saw with your eyeballs about football. Here, let me tell you why that isn't true. And he did a really I feel like ham-fisted job of it because the thing that he said was like football recruiting is different than basketball recruiting and no doubt that it is. But the reason he said it is doesn't make a ton of sense because he's basically saying like there's so many more high quality four or five star football recruits out there for each team to take in than basketball recruits. There's not that many star basketball recruits. But what he's not taking into account is that Sure, if you look at football holistically and every player is equal, but like when you're starting to, when you're recruiting a starting quarterback, that's no different. I mean, it becomes very similar to recruiting basketball guys. You're looking for a guy to fix a certain Yeah, how many five-star, four-star quarterbacks are in the country? I mean, where's the data set to back up that, what I believe, a complete horseshit argument? You know what I mean? Like, I understand that the football rosters are larger. That doesn't necessarily mean there's more talent. Yeah, and then top level. And when you're getting four and five star, you know, defensive linemen, that is a different thing than when you're getting your starting quarterback or your star wide receiver. You know, these positions that there are just not that many of them out there. And it becomes, like I said, much like basketball recruiting. And the big difference, I think, which makes basketball recruiting even easier, is then when you do get a star caliber recruit for basketball, say a Michael Porter Jr. type of player who is healthy, you know, when you're recruiting for basketball, you're like, okay, we need recruiting help, or oh, we need three-point shooting help, or oh, we yeah, need help Yeah, one or two players paint. can be transformative for a basketball team. Well, you can't well, be I'm transformative be- with two players on a fucking football team. When you're looking for to fix these holes in basketball, be it rebounding or shooting or defense, you can get one guy who can fix all those problems. You can get a guy who can shoot three-pointers, who can play great defense, who can do all of those things. You can't get a quarterback who can fix your defense, and you can't get a middle linebacker who can catch passes. You know what I mean? Like, There's no one individual in football that can fix all of your problems. And at the end of the day, you only need to put five guys on a court instead of 22 guys on a football field. So just by its very nature, there are guys, like, look at it this way. And this is goes against everything Sam Snelling said because it was wrong. Is that, look, imagine a world where Missouri could land every single top basketball player in state, like out of St. Louis or Kansas City or wherever the top basketball talent is. If we were able to do that just in the state of Missouri alone, 
that would be enough to make us a competitive program every year because there's that much talent just in the state of Missouri. So this argument that there's simply not enough talent to go around to be competitive recruiting for basketball, it just is nonsense. And you're going to have to make up a bunch of numbers that don't have anything to do with it to make that reality cloudy. And that's what he attempted to do. Well, I think we just—it's the same story over and over again. It's—it's it's the same thing we had with Kim Anderson. It's the same thing with Barry Odom. At some point, rational human beings just look at the product and go, "This ain't this ain't it, folks. This ain't good enough." And then you have this, uh, to use a Snelling term, data set, uh, who have basically pull, pushed their chips in at some point on a coach, and are unwilling to acknowledge reality because they have planted their flag in the ground. Listen, Conzo's getting a fifth year. He's going to have an opportunity to prove us wrong <laughs> but, well and, and that's the thing i i should say colin is like i'm not a conzo hater i think this is all predicated on the notion that if you don't agree with sam snelling then you hate conzo and i don't think he's a terrible coach i mean he's clearly a better coach than kim anderson obviously he's brought us back from a terrible kim anderson era but what i'm not willing to say is he has nothing to do with the success or failures of the mizzou basketball program <laughs> well that's a that's a pretty heavy statement right there Brennan, that the head coach <laughs> of a basketball team has almost nothing to do with its success <laughs> i'm you know the fact of the matter is kim anderson has not coached a basketball game at the university of missouri since 2017 and i realize it was tough on the program to win nine and 10 games every year and have a coach like Cam Anderson, who was terrible. But it's the year 2021, and we're entering the fifth year of Conzo Martin's tenure here at Mizzou. Like, at what point does he get to get some credit or blame for the goings on in Mizzou Arena? You know, what I mean, it's getting to the point of ridiculousness. And like you said, We've been through this so many times. When Kim Anderson was failing, when Haith was failing, I don't know how many Haith lovers there were, but when Barry Odom was failing, there's always a segment of the media and their supporters, I would say, who feel like if you take a dump on the coach too early, you look too reactionary. And it's my job to quell that reactionary response and be, I'm more level-headed, I'm more rational if I don't say all this losing I'm seeing isn't really losing, you know, but at some point you have to just acknowledge reality. Well, and the, the truth we, is the truth. That's right. And you know what I mean? It just, it, it is what it is. You can see certain things and you don't have to be an expert to see it. I remember the first, I remember when the chiefs draft or not drafted, but traded for uh, Matt castle. And I was like, Ooh, we're going to have a quarterback for the first time ever. And then I watched like the first game and I was like, ah, shit. <laughs> you know what I mean? It was like, Oh, this guy ain't it. You know what I mean? Like he's, He's, this is not this is not a top tier quarterback like I hoped he would be, and yeah. it was the same with Barry Odom. At some point, you're going okay, growing pains. Okay, well this doesn't look great, and then at some point, you're like, well he just doesn't know what he's doing anymore. And with Kim Anderson, that was almost immediate. But you know, with Conzo, um, like you said, he doesn't necessarily make him a bad coach, but he hasn't done anything to necessarily say I'm a great coach. And uh, I don't think it is makes us reactionary or. Um, naive, stupid or naive to be like the head coach has probably more influence on the team's success than the fan base. No, I will say this as a fan, I have had the same, I have coached Mizzou basketball to the same number of NCAA tournament wins as Conzo. So on that level, we are equal. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Yeah, yep. Yeah. Well, sorry. Our apologies, Sam. We just went on a fucking 20 minute diatribe and Brennan just debunked <laughs> it just like that. <laughs> well, I will say that the, that the people on, team snelling even they would say and i think it's pretty much universally accepted that kim anderson was an absolute disaster but what a lot of people don't know because they have the memory of goldfish is that at the time kim anderson was being fired there were many people defending kim anderson and saying he needed another year to let us see how this was going to shake out they were wrong then and those same people who pretend like they didn't say that and are you know would now admit that Kim Anderson was terrible? They're wrong now. You'd mentioned when we talked about this before the show, like Baylor had a guy shoot somebody. They shot a guy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I mean, and they, they murdered. We found it just fine from it. We had a we had a reanimated Frankenstein monster as a coach who didn't do a very good job. Some would say shooting a guy is tougher to come back from. Well, and then nowhere in Sam Snowy's article when he discussed the football team did he mention that, you know, the 2015 protests were not just a bad thing for the football program or for Mizzou. It was one of the biggest PR disasters for college sports. 
certainly since like I said, like the Penn State Joe yeah. Paterno nightmare. You know what I mean? Like it was disastrous for the football team. And here we are six years out from that, and we're excited about football and we're looking good. So we're yeah, in year five I- of Conzo, but somehow Kim Anderson's tenure was worse than the 2015 protests as far as coming back. Yeah, I feel like they both had a pretty tough road to hoe. And listen, again, your your eyes can tell the tale. I mean, give me a break. Look at what Drinkowitz is doing. And I know that Sam Selling wants to make some argument that there's it's not the same thing, but it, I can't look at him uh, pulling in all these recruits and go, that's a good thing, and probably doing a better job than his counterpart at basketball. I don't think that's a huge leap to make. I don't think it makes me reactionary, a crazy fan. To me, Brennan, nothing we're saying is crazy. Not nearly as crazy as blaming the fans and saying that they have more guilt and Mizzou's lack of success than the head basketball coach. I mean, think about that statement on its face. And I don't know, when you say that we shouldn't extrapolate that from a 3,000-word essay, I'm like, I don't know, that's a pretty big statement that the fucking fans and administration bear more responsibility for losses than the fucking head coach. I mean, you're right, there's 3,000 words there, but I feel like those are some pretty important words. Yeah, it doesn't matter. You can put a dictionary on either side of those quotes, and they still—they're still the quotes. You know what I mean? Still what <laughs> they're still said. worthy of—they're still worthy of us talking about them because, like I said, it is. Maybe it's true, Brennan. Maybe we're wrong, but to me, at this juncture, it's a fucking insane thing to say. I mean, yeah. Really? I mean, think about it. The head coach bears like virtually no responsibility. I can read you the quotes again if you'd like to hear them. I would, because I had almost forgotten. Okay, well, let's see. let me go back here. But Mizzou's overall lack of success has almost nothing to do with Conzo Martin. He plays a small part, but in general, he's been successful given the entire data set. And then, let's go. I place Bain for a mediocre hoops program on fans who don't show up. <laughs> there it is. There it is. You know, and it's not just wrong, Colin. It's insulting because the implication is that Mizzou fans are somehow different than other fan bases. That if the same results were being on the court in another team, that other teams' fans would react differently. Like they'd be packing the arena to watch 14 win seasons somewhere else. And, and so the implication is that Mizzou fans suck. You know, we're worse. And, and like, give me a fucking break. You know what I mean? Like, Mizzou fans are just like every other fan base. You know what well, I mean? Well, that's what like, I mean. I think in retrospect, you'd say that to Sam Stanley, like, oh, no, 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 no. That's not what I'm saying. I'm like, well, how are we supposed to interpret this? You're saying that we should be packing the house with these very mediocre results. And you're, and you're, and what are we to gleam is that we are the only program that would do that. Everybody else would be, still be packing the house, regardless of whether their coach was good, bad, or indifferent, or how many wins they ever got. Christ. Well, at the end of the day, what we need to be doing is thanking Sam Snelling for giving us quite a bit to talk about in the middle of July. Yeah, thank you, Sam Snelling. At the end of the day, <laughs> I'm pretty appreciative of him. His, uh, well, I, while I may disagree with and the I takes, think, the, I appreciate the, the uh, fodder for the show. And I think you might have to thank us because I kind of feel like there might be a significant uptick in the reading of that article um, after the <laughs> <Yeah>. podcast drops. <laughs> yeah. Well, not just that. I mean, we the uh, the our Twitter uh, response to it, you know, what I mean, was got a lot of traction, and I think I, I'm sure a lot more people read that article uh, as a result. You know, so it's a symbiotic relationship. Well, I do. I firmly believe that the number of people who think that being a good fan means blindly supporting the coach, no matter what the results are, are a smaller percentage of the people who are frustrated by bad basketball and lack of wins. I'm going to just have to believe that. You know, I, I, I see a lot of people who are very vocal. And very supportive of the Sam Snelling types and the media. There's there's a lot of people who just like grab a favorite media figure and just parrot whatever they say. But I think there's a lot more people who go to basketball games, watch basketball games on TV, and become incredibly frustrated when they see loss after loss after blown win after blown win after loss. And uh, you know, and if somebody gets frustrated that the recruiting isn't good enough or that they're not landing four or five stars. That doesn't make somebody a bad fan either. It just means that that fan has had to endure a lot of bullshit, you know, and good on them. You know what I mean? Let a fan have to do endure some bullshit and blow off steam. It doesn't make them a bad fan. If somebody's throwing diesel batteries at a center fielder, that makes them a bad fan. You know, if it's a guy's jumping out into the court at a basketball game in the NBA and throwing stuff at people, that deserves to be called out. But not going to basketball games, 
if you call somebody out for not going to a basketball game because they're, I don't know, taking their kid to the doctor or just, you know, doing anything in the middle of February, you know, fuck you, you know, because like, well, my thing is, it's like, it's a results business. It always has been when they, when they recruited the porters, they sell, they sold tickets hand over fist. So my thing is, is recruit a five-star recruit or win a bunch of basketball games and then the fans will show up, but to, to, to expect fans to show up without any semblance of success, real success. I mean, it's just, it's not realistic. Like nothing about this whole argument or article is, is realistic. That's why I think it's, it's, it's really is the result of just doubling down on our, on our argument. That's starting to look less and less, you know, doubling down on a coach is looking less and less like he's going to be successful. You know, you can either acknowledge reality or you can double down. And that's why I think this is doubling down because I don't think anybody who is being honest with themselves and isn't being basically intellectually dishonest with themselves can look at this article and go, oh, yeah, that makes all the sense in the world. I mean, the thing is that the, the team Snelling would say that about you and me. They, they would say that we decided that we didn't like Conzo Martin. And so no matter what happens, we're going to detract from him. And I, nothing could be further from the truth. I would love Conzo to be successful. And I feel like the results are on our side. You know what I mean? Like, if Well, I'd love him to be successful too, but I'm also to the point with, San, with after four seasons going, I have not seen anything that would make me believe that Conzo will be successful. And so, well, and that's, and that's, that's just me. That's not saying I hate Conzo Martin. That's saying, not saying he can't be successful, but I'm saying up to this point, the data set that I've seen, which is just my two fucking eyeballs, is not giving me a lot of options. Well, and the question comes down to like, how long do you give a guy? You know, how long does it take? I think obviously if somebody struggles in their first season, the people who want to fire you after year one, that is reactionary. That is naive. But we're through year four and we're entering year five. And I don't see a lot of people who are looking at year five and thinking, I think we're going to go pretty deep in the tournament this year. You know what I mean? Like there's not a lot of option. There's not a lot of optimism heading into year five. Hope we're wrong, but there's not a lot of people, I don't think, that are picking Mizzou to even be in the upper half of the SEC. So at what point do you say, well, you know, um, maybe the coach bears a little responsibility. Is it year 10? You know, like, I mean, look, I know we had a a bad year in 1938, but uh, does that have bearing on today? You know, at what point do we say the guy we have now is responsible? Well, Brittany, you know what um, uh, does give me optimism is the football team. We're, we're, we're a mere three weeks away from the football team starting to uh, start their activities. Yeah, and, yeah uh, and we should be talking about it because the uh, recruiting is red hot and Drinkwitz has a ton of excitement for from the fan base and charisma. And I think charisma is something that, Colin, you've talked to me about in the past when we were off air, how much it does have an impact on coaching and, uh, you know, Cam Anderson, who you said was a reanimated Frankenstein monster. We all know that he was created in a lab by Dr. Frankenstein. Um, by Norm Stewart. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we all know that's the case. Not his yeah. fault, but it doesn't make him Mr. Personality, you know? No. Um, but Drinkwitz gets people excited. And there's, that's good. That puts butts in seats. And uh, I know that it's the fans' responsibility to fill the stadium and not the team. <laughs> but... Uh, Drinkwitz yeah. seems to be bucking that trend. You know what I mean? People are ready to go see football. Yeah, I feel like Drinkwitz is, is saying, you know what? I bear some responsibility for the success of the football team. <laughs> and so he's just going to go ahead and get out there and get some recruits. Well, in 2036, when Barry Odom's shadow has left Mizzou, <laughs> yeah. and then we can start <laughs> judging Drinkwitz's performance. Well, and I do think people do need to temper expectations a little bit. We are... I think going to be have a pretty good season, but all these recruits that Drinkwitz is bringing into the into the fold, none of them are going to be basically probably um, contributing a great deal this season. Um, right, most yeah, of most the recruiting is for so at least next year. But it does. I mean, how could it not give you optimism for the program? You know, it's mostly because I think everybody who watched the football team last year thought. You know, the defense and offense and just the team's, you know, basically sharpness in general was better. You couldn't, again, things you could just see and you didn't need data sets. You just could see it like, wow, this team is sharper. This team is better prepared. This team has a an ide- a much a much more discernible identity. And so, you know what? Gives you optimism. And then he starts recruiting well and you go, well, if he's looks like he's got some coaching bones and if he can bring in some players, why not have some optimism? 
that that's true and i think the, you know we've gone on and on for like now half an hour about this basketball situation and we haven't really addressed the on court coaching and one thing we've seen out of Drinkwitz that we've not seen from Conzo Martin so much is cl- winning close games you know uh, that comes down to on court on field decision making winning those close games because we have endured a lot of close losses in both football and basketball over the years and it's nice to see us pull out a win even in a game we don't play so well in but do just enough to get by and get the W and mm-hmm. you know if if we had a few more situations in basketball where we didn't play great but we pulled out just enough to win Boy, that you know what I mean. That feels a lot better in the morning when you look at that W on the board, yeah. than it does whenever you blow well, a lead late. Yeah, I mean, like I said, the most important data point for any coach is winning percentage, and you know, so far, uh, Drinkwitz is got, winning percentage is is uh, in the black, and uh, I don't expect I, I expect it to continue. I mean, I the SEC East isn't going to be a particular powerhouse this year. Though I do balk at some idiot that Paul Feinbaum had on saying it's the weakest conference in college football, which is just an absolutely asinine thing to say. Yeah. But it's going to be world beaters either, and there's no reason Mizzou can't be competitive within it, especially since I believe they have a good running back and a good quarterback and a, and a good uh, – I think have a good offense in general, I think. And, you know, the defense is a question mark, but there's no reason to not think we can be, can't be competitive within the SEC East. Yeah, correct me if I'm wrong, but the Pac-12 still exists, right? <laughs> yeah, sure does. So does the Big. So does the Big Twelve, for that matter. <laughs> the Big Twelve get like it has like two, three good teams. You know what I mean? On the whole con- fucking conference, but it's but the SEC East is the week. I'm like, give me a break. Yeah, yeah. I know Oregon State's looking to be a powerhouse this year, but uh... <laughs> yeah, you yeah. yep. The Sun Devils are ready to take the world by storm, but I'm not sure. Uh, I, I'm, I'm sure they'll they'd give everybody in the East all they wanted. I'm sure Georgia would be shaking their boots. <laughs> yeah, Georgia, Florida are looking to be pretty darn good. And, you know, I, frankly, I think a lot of us are looking at Mizzou's schedule and we're saying seven wins we, we got to have. And it's realistic to have eight wins. Now, an eight-win season would mean we won every game. That was close. You know what I mean? That would yeah. be any. That be the Tennessees. That would be the Arkansas. That would be the Kentuckys. We'd win those games. But it is very doable. And I think, you know, anything, I don't know, 500 is acceptable. Anything below that is a bad season, you know, every year if you have a lot. If you're below 500. And truthfully, I think year. at this point, for me personally, based on what I've seen out of Drinkowitz and what I've seen out of this team, I mean, unless the defense is completely just abysmal, I wouldn't really be very happy about a 500 season. I mean, we need no, to at least no, get, no. you know, be on the be on the upside. I mean, we don't have to, we could be one game over 500, but we need to at least be one game over 500. I, no, I think you're right. I think we need to. Uh, if if we ended up winning, if we're going six and six, and then won a bowl game to put us at seven and six on the year, it wouldn't be ideal, but it would be. We we have had a winning record and a bowl win. That would I can sleep with that at night on a second year head coach. You know. Yeah. Well, I and, think I think that's what she. I think that's probably where that bar's at. We need to go to a bowl. Yeah. And, uh, and we need to have a winning record. And I think, and I've said this time and time again in the, during this off season, I think the media, even the local media, are sleeping on um, Beatty. I think that people have said he hasn't carried the load like Roundtree has in the past and he's not as big but I don't see any reason to think that he couldn't do that and well, become that's what I mean. he, he, he's not exactly but like he's been injury prone and I, he, his lack of carrying the offense has been basically just because he hasn't been given the opportunity to I'm going to I'm going to let him have the opportunity to carry the offense and then fail at it before I'm going to just presume he's not good enough to do it. Well, that's right, um, because if you watch Mizzou highlights from the year 2020, there's a lot of very exciting plays when Tyler Beatty ran by a lot of people and was very good. And I think, you know, we've, we're one of like, I think only four teams in the SEC who are carrying a quarterback who started last season, you know, um, we've got a lot of pieces in place. Granted, we know there are holes. We know there are deep holes on the defense. You know, the defense is going to be a question mark. But again, we've got these coaches who are paid a lot of money to fill those holes and they've been putting pieces in place. And frankly, I had optimism for our defense when Barry Odom was a head coach and they didn't do very well. And I'm kind of hopeful that this defense will look better because we've looked bad in the past. And, you know, if, if this defense can gel, then we will win games, I think, because I, I think the offense is there. And so we're certainly there enough to get seven regular season wins. I, I fully expect, I, I fully expect him to have a breakout season. I mean, that's but my that's expectation. Yeah, that's my expectation. 
Now I can be wrong, but I think at the, I think worst case scenario he has a solid season. But I could I could see Basilak really um, doing something special because as well as he played last year with almost no preseason, you know, as a as a basically a redshirt freshman. I mean, like I don't I feel like um, uh, you know a whole off season learning the offense, him and uh, Drinkwitz getting to know one another and and feeling comfortable at the helm. I just can't. I could really I I expect him to. Uh, I expect him to really impress some people and open some eyes in the SEC media. Yeah, I, I agree. And I think what we're going to see out of Basilak, and I think what the SEC media is going to discover, is the versatility of Connor Basilak. I think that he is the kind of quarterback who molds himself to the position he finds himself in. And we yeah. saw that, obviously, in the LSU game. And yeah. we saw that in other games, the Kentucky game, where the defense was much different and better, frankly, than the LSU. He, he's tough. He's mobile. He's accurate. He's got a big enough arm. Um, and he's cool as the other side of the pillow, as the late Stuart Scott would say. I think he's the kind of guy who is going to win games, but not do it with gaudy numbers. You know what I mean? Well, I, that's I don't know. I mean, that's kind of what I'm. I'm kind of expecting those numbers to get pretty gaudy. I mean, maybe not from a yardage standpoint or touchdown standpoint, but I could see Basilak being very efficient on third down, having a really high completion percentage, and 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 having being in the being in that top, you know, three or four in yardage. You know, that's my expectation. I'm not saying he's going to be the best quarterback in the SEC. But I, I could see him being top three, top four in yardage. I could see him being top three uh, in complete completion percentage, top three in third down conversion, because I just think he's tough. He's accurate. He can throw on the run accurately, which is such a such a – God, it's just immeasurable how effective that can be at the college level, or any level for that matter. It just it's a, it's a facet of the game that not a lot of quarterbacks truly have, where they can throw – accurately moving side moving you know side to side and uh, i saw him do it a lot last season and i don't know why another off season of seasoning would make that uh any worse and i'm expecting it to make it better sure and i also think that you know the many years we talked about the um old guard sec dismissing us and not thinking that we belong and all that thing i think it gives us an advantage a lot of times where they they're, they're not prepped. We've seen a lot of games where we come out hot because they underestimate. They're going to underestimate a Connor Bay's lack. You know what I mean? Like they're going to think, oh, we're going to be a run first team because we got this quarterback who nobody has ever heard of. And they're going to learn. They're going to, they're going to fuck. I don't around know. I don't, th- I don't think after last season, the success Mizzou had and, uh, and the, uh, the, the play of Connor Bay's like, I don't think coaches are going to sleep on Mizzou, but that doesn't mean, play- I don't know, Colin, you wait. Till South Carolina and Tennessee plays, and you see if they don't forget what happened last year. <laughs> well, like I said, I just I, I trust that coaches are going to be able to identify talent both at the at uh, when they look at the coach across the field. I think they're going to know that Drinkwitz has got his shit together. I think when they they look at the tape of Bazelak last year, they're going to go, "This kid can throw the football." What I don't think. Well, it is, is that true you that can, you can beat those kids over the head with as much as you want in those meetings, but they're still. If they're if you're South Carolina or Tennessee or whomever, you're probably still gonna be like it's just Mizzou, regardless of what yeah. the coaches are saying, and then they're gonna come out and get their asses whipped if they're not careful. Yeah, well, and you're right that we don't uh, we don't have to face a coach named Will Muschamp who is. Uh, well, I mean, if know, Will Muschamp was still coaching South Carolina, I'd say yes, they will be criminally underprepared and we will win. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. But sadly, we don't have to play a must champ coach team this year because we have many, many years because SEC fan bases or or SEC teams still think he's a good coach for some reason. Well, you know, the, uh, you know, to South Carolina's credit, they got that Beamer guy and he seems to be recruiting. Uh, He has certainly engendered more enthusiasm for the program. Uh, And so, you know, South Carolina could be on the rise. I mean, I, you know, certainly don't cover or. I certainly don't pay much enough attention to South Carolina to say that with any confidence, but just based on my Twitter timeline, people seem to be pretty high on what's going on. And not just high because his last name was Muschamp. You know, they love Muschamp because they'd heard his name before, which is the criminal sin of all SEC programs. But this guy actually seems to be, um, you know, doing things that are making people confident, i.e. recruiting. Well, I'm not sure. Do, do head coaches have any responsibility for how a team fares when it comes to football? I, well, it depends on who you ask, Brennan. It's a, it's a, that's kind of a sticky wicket. Some people would say <laughs> head coaches are the most important person to a program. Some people would say they rank far, far behind fans in administration. But, you know, it just depends on who you ask. 
Yeah. Well, I'll tell you what win is going to matter a lot to me this year. What I'm hoping to see is uh, that final game against Arkansas because we've got we've got a five year winning streak against that Arkansas team, and and you talk about a fan base who thinks they're better than they are and thinks they belong more than we do, yet can continue, but yet cannot seem to win against us. It's Arkansas, and Arkansas is another program that thinks they are hot shit this year and they are on the rise. And maybe they are, maybe they're headed in the right direction. But we have heard it all before, and the fact of the matter is, I don't think a program like Arkansas can turn it all around in one year. Well, here's, you know what I mean? here, this is completely not, anecdotal, but. Here's the reason I don't I wouldn't bet on Arkansas. And that is is that their head coach, I don't believe, is like Drinkwitz and where Drinkwitz, I feel like Drinkwitz is just a talented coach. He knows what he's doing, he's a good recruiter, he's he's what you want in a football coach, at least at this point it seems. And Arkansas's got a coach who does a shtick. He's got a <laughs> shtick. And that shtick yes, I- is entertaining. That shtick is attractive to players. That shtick is fun to the press. That shtick is it makes boosters happy. But at the end of the day, shtick don't have legs. No. You know what I mean? Arkansas, everybody gets fucking over your shtick. Arkansas hired a coach who's got a Friday night sitcom on CBS. <laughs> yeah. He's, yeah. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it's, it's him and Jim Belushi. Yeah. And, uh, Pouring waffle batter into the toaster going, I was going to make the kids a breakfast. <laughs> it's the Tim Allen of football coaches. <laughs> yes, that's right. Oops, I ran the drill through my foot. Does he have a well if he's gonna be a CBS sitcom, he's gotta have a wife that's three hundred times too hot to be married to him too. So I have you seen his wife? <laughs> Maybe Jen Belima's still around. Yeah, yeah, no shit. Now Jen Belima and Brett were the uh, epitome of a CBS, according to Jim. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> right. a big, fat, disgusting pig person and a hot-ass wife. That's right, yeah. Yeah, they're the uh, they're the uh, king or queens of, of college football. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh, you don't think Leah Remedy would go after Kevin James in real life? <laughs> Not when she was in her 30s. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, like, I think we've covered it all, Brennan. Well, no, Colin, there's one thing we haven't done, and it's been a long time since we have done. It's kind of time for Kansas news. Oh, boy. I always heard there were three kinds of suns in Kansas. Sunshine, sunflowers, sons of bitches. This is Kansas News. Yeah, with just one item on the agenda, and I think maybe you've heard about it, Colin. We've certainly been getting a lot of tweets and emails and private messages about this this item, but uh, it's not even about Kansas' current coach at college football. In fact, it's about their former coach for college football. Boy, what's Les that Miles. rascal been up to, Brendan? Well, you know how Les Miles is a great guy, and he's full of moral integrity. <laughs> yeah, sure. He can be a bit of a scoundrel, <laughs> I hear, though. Well, the Kansas City Star had a little report this week, and it came out, and it's kind of been a shocker for a lot of people, but it says uh, Kansas agreed to pay former player under Les Miles to leave team and keep quiet about problems, including his teammates selling drugs. Oh, that's weird. You know what's crazy to me? When I was looking at this, I I started seeing the article drop, and Kansas fans went straight like fake news, like the media is the enemy on this. Yeah, like the Kansas City Stars been trying to bring down the uh, Jayhawks for years. They've been trying to fuck Kansas over. It's like, okay, let's let's imagine that that's true. That that the uh, that the star has some axe to grind with the University of Kansas. Does it make the story any less reprehensible or true? (laughs) That's the thing. Reporting a thing is not (laughs) does not mean they're opposed (laughs) to you. If the thing happened. Now, if the thing yeah, did like, happen, that's now people that's aren't outraged that there's a university paid somebody to keep quiet about their players selling drugs. They're outraged that the stars reported it. <laughs> that's right. It tells you everything you need to know about the university and state of Kansas. Well, and let me tell you a little something about how the newspaper industry works. It really helps a local newspaper to take a huge steamy dump on the local teams it covers. Yeah. Yeah, it does them all <laughs> the good in the world. So a former Kansas football player named Camerton. Caperton Humphrey is uh, considering legal action against former Kansas coach Les Miles and former athletic director Jeff Long. Don't forget that guy. He's done great things. 
and, yeah. and the Kansas Athletic Department following a 2019 dispute between Humphrey and a group of teammates that led to his separation from the program. Miles declined to meet with Humphrey, a full a junior fullback, and his father as they sought a resolution. And he suggested to the players involved that they settle their differences on the practice field. Long, meanwhile, Jesus. mentioned <laughs> Humphrey suspected a group of KU teammates of loosening the lug nuts on the, one of the tires of his car after they'd been in an argument, um, but there had been no evidence, so no arrests were made. <laughs> there were altercations during practice and led to a confrontational confrontation involving several players in Humphrey's apartment during which the police were called. Though there was no police report created, Reed and Reed, a family friend of the Humphreys, said the KU Athletic Department would help resolve the simmering tension. Humphrey and his family agreed to an arrangement, reportedly signed by Reed, that called for Humphrey to leave campus and complete his studies online at his home in West Virginia. The arrangement was signed, covered tuition, along with a monthly stipend, checks, moving expenses, and around $50,000 in benefits. In exchange for the signed document, stated the Humphrey family would not publicly disparage Kansas or its employees. Les Miles and Jeff Long swept this under the rug and tried to buy silence. Well, it makes me wonder if that they agreed to this, if the family of this player agreed to it, how, how I mean, based on what just happened with Bill Cosby, I kind of feel like that might hold, I'm not sure how this is going to hold up in court. <laughs> yeah well i mean the uh they said that these players who um he suspected of having sold drugs or selling were selling drugs they were afraid he was going to rat them out they stormed into his apartment into his bedroom with a baseball bat threatening him um he's humphrey said that he saw the imprint of a pistol in one of the players jogging pants and uh les miles heard about it and he said Shh, let's just let's just not talk about that for a while yeah well, it seems strange that uh, Kansas would hire a guy who has basically pending accusations of uh, sexual misconduct with uh, students. Under, and, well, they would hire him, you know. what I mean, and then to, I can't believe they'd look the other way. Why? While you know somebody was physically threatened for because they were uh, you know players were selling drugs. It doesn't sound like less miles I know. Yeah. What is it well, about here's the crazy super thing, successful Colin. coaches at some point, Brent, where they just whether it's Bob Stoops or less miles. Like, at what point do you? Does the winning and the money become so blinding that you'll just overlook anything? You know what I mean? Ask I mean, Rick look Pitino. At, yeah, or or um, or what was Baylor's coach? Uh, Art Briles. But, uh, yeah, Briles or any of these guys. At some point, they're just like, you know what? We'll let anything slide as long as we keep winning football games. Well, it's a lot of money involved. I understand that. But the crazy thing to me, Colin, is this whole crazy deal, that's not why Kansas fired him. They fired him for <laughs> stuff that he did at LSU came out in the press. Stuff that Kansas <laughs> – obviously knew about when they hired him yeah it's a great program <laughs> it's really it's remarkable. <laughs> a lot of integrity uh, a lot of yeah great place you know that that darn star you know what i mean like but you know like i said if, as long as you're uh you can overlook just about anything as long as you're winning football games or getting supreme court justices now here's the thing though colin about what you just said how many football games did kansas win while Les miles was i don't know well, I, think, I, two, I, I, can, I can only i can only assume that it was bunches because no one would overlook this sort of misbehavior um sure if, uh, for a loser if, if it wasn't translating to big time wins now i you know don't follow kansas real closely but uh, i don't know that they won a game in Les miles final year maybe they won two total i, I don't, I don't yeah. remember but anyway um you know Les miles clearly had a uh, national championship with lsu which kansas claimed right out of the gate whenever they hired yeah Les miles <laughs> um but sure that, tra- that seems just didn't seem to translate itself over at the University of Kansas, but he did bring all the other stuff. Well, I've said it before on the show, and I'll say it again. If you're Les Miles and you've been coaching at LSU, a, a, a blue-chip preeminent program in the best conference in the United States, you've won a national championship with them, why in the fuck would you take a j- job with, really it's not even arguable ma- anymore, the worst Division One college football program in the country? That's a pretty universal off, and uh, I think we're we're finding the answers to these questions more all the time. Colin, I, I I mean, we're sending all our billionaires into space these days. I think I'm willing to go out on a limb and say Kansas is the worst program in the universe. I don't know that that's a that's a stretch. I I don't know about how many teams you know Nebulon Six has or how good they are or how much integrity they have, but uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna say you're probably right. <laughs> Well, I think Nebulon 6 could beat Kansas. 
<laughs> My money's on Nebulon. No, I, I, you know, Kansas is is terrible. Les Miles is terrible, and I mean, you talk about programs that have had to endure some bullshit, and how it's going to be tough to come back from. <laughs> Having Cam Anderson as a coach in basketball is a walk in the park from what Kansas football. Is. <laughs> yeah, yep, yep, that's true. Any other Kansas news? <laughs> that's all I'm gonna. I mean, that's all I can stomach for now. Sure, sure. I don't want. <laughs> I don't want a diarrhea either, Brennan. And I know that anytime we do the three and four stories from Kansas news, that I always end up with terrible diarrhea. <laughs> sure, sure. It is hard on the bowels. We'll wrap up Kansas news there. I think we're probably wrapping up the show here. We're closing in on our hour here on Green Room, but I do want to tell the folks who are listening on the podcast feed: you can listen to us on. Spotify's Green Room. It was the Locker Room app, and they changed over. The The app is still there, and you can still find us. We'll tweet it out every Monday at 8 p.m. Central Time. But as always, you can follow us on Twitter, and you can follow us on Instagram. You can follow us on Facebook. You can send us anything at mazodcast at gmail.com. We never promote the email address, but if you have questions or comments on an email, send it mazodcast at gmail.com. And if you have original music, if you're in a band, or if you you know play anything – uh, send it our way. We'll get it on the show as well. Yeah, we would like you guys to be involved with the show as we can uh, stomach. And, uh, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, so, yeah. yeah, help us out any way you want. But, you know, football season is around the corner. And um, the podcast, we, you know, we've been doing it more frequently this summer, obviously. But uh, we're going to be doing our regular show after each and every game. We're going to still do our Monday night show. So we're going to have a lot of Mazodcast coming at you. And uh, actually, follow our Twitter feed this week. I've got a feeling it's going to blow up a little. <laughs> yeah, I uh, yeah. So uh, and for those, I, I had some, some concern that we did Kansas News tonight. That because we've been doing this live stream on Monday nights and doing doing these shows, that like, hey, where's the where's the Kansas News? Where's the Fine Bot? Where's the yeah. you know around the horn? Like those are where's all the Caleb? They continue to be features in in the main show and the <clears throat> weekly show when we, that we do with the with the games um like i said this is this is something altogether a little bit different that uh, spotify has asked us to do and we're doing but don't worry all of those all of those tried and true favorites the tj mood douche of the week is not going anywhere so no, uh, in fact you know there may be a candidate this week <laughs> <laughs> but anyway all that stuff's there to look forward to the season will be on us before you know it and, that's uh, right boy, i'm looking forward to it brennan I am too. I'll tell you what. I uh, there's nothing I'd rather be doing than not talking about basketball recruiting. Oh, I'm about to bust the seams of my denim jeans. <laughs> That's right. And also, Colin, last thing before we go, follow us on Patreon. We got a lot going on there. We'll get more going on as the season rolls on too. Yeah, that's right. Uh, and uh, if for our Patreon listeners, we have a little podcast we do called Nerdy Now. That's uh, it's just where me and Brendan talk about stuff that doesn't have anything to do with her sports. It's just basically whatever we're nerding out too. Uh, I think we're about to do a show on. Uh, I think you should leave. That's is those are, uh, is it, which is a tremendous show. I think you should leave. Season two just came out. The show me and Brendan highly endorse. And uh, if you'd like to hear our we thoughts will. on that, you can subscribe to Patreon and get our Patreon exclusive podcast about all the things we're nerding out too. Yeah, I'll definitely be nerding out about that. Yeah, it's a it's a tradi- it's a terrific show. I highly endorse it, and I highly endorse you guys listening to it. All right, fellas, I think I am going to tune in to the, uh, what's left of the Major League Baseball Home Run Derby. So uh, thanks for listening. M-I-Z. Z-O-U. I think Nebulon 6 should beat Kansas. <laughs> My money's on Nebulon. <laughs>